Welcome to the ride. Life, Work, and Wealth Podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Years ago, Chris was a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Three Hats Financial, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, an IROC dealer. Let's get to it. Okay, today I wanted to go over a strategy to offset taxes when you take money from your RSP. Now, it's a strategy. It's not necessarily for everybody, but I wanted to just provide some education to listeners on this approach because we sometimes get questions on it. And what that strategy is called is an RRSP meltdown strategy. So today I'll go over what it is, the benefits and the risks. This strategy you can use to reduce taxes on retirement income in your early retirement years. Better to do it when your retirement income is lower. So before you start to take CPP and OAS would be ideal. Many Canadians use RSPs obviously to save for retirement. But once people get close to retirement, they look at these large accounts and now realize, wow, great. I got the tax refund when I was young and in my working years, but now I have to take it out and it's 100% taxable income. Remind me why I did this again? Well, sure, for the RSP to work properly, you put money into it, ideally when you're in a high tax bracket working. The RSP then grows tax deferred over your career and all those many years, and then you take it out in retirement when you're in a lower tax bracket. But regardless, many people ask if there's a way around paying 100% tax on it when you pull it out. And there is a few different strategies. And as I mentioned, the RSP meltdown strategy is one that people may have heard of, but don't really know the details. So what is it? Well, in a nutshell, it involves obtaining a personal investment loan that generates an interest deduction that's equal in amount to the ongoing RSP withdrawals. If I confused it there a bit, I'll make it a little bit easier in a second. So by doing this, it allows you to deregister your retirement savings and your RSP or your RIF in a tax-efficient way. And this strategy, it can reduce the amount of registered assets you have before you have to start taking them at age 71. And that's the point of it. So an RSP, as I mentioned, we know it's 100% taxable and you still have to pay the tax on this money and this strategy once you withdraw it from the RSP or the RIF but you can offset that income tax by obtaining a personal investment loan. And how you do that is when you borrow money to invest in say a non-registered account, which that's what you'd have to use here. You can't use it with a TFSA, doesn't make the interest tax deductible. So it has to be a non-registered account. That will generate an interest deduction. And ideally you want that to be equal to the same amount of what your ongoing RSP withdrawals will be. So you need to figure out how much withdrawal from the RSP to take, how much do I need to borrow to invest, and how much interest will that be on that loan, and is it close to the RSP withdrawal amount? You see, the interest you pay on the investment loan, as I mentioned, is tax deductible. So it essentially cancels out the tax you pay on the RSP withdrawal, neutralizing it. So you want the amount, as I mentioned, the RSP withdrawal and the interest rate payment to be the same, ideally. To summarize what you're trying to do here is you're trying to get the RSP income out and move to the non-registered side. Why? Because as I mentioned, the RSP is fully taxable and the income from a non-registered account eventually, it's less 
you'll have some return of capital and the remainder will be deferred capital gains. So the taxes are much less than the RSP. Therefore, that's the whole objective of this is to try is to pay less tax and start deregistering assets. Now, keep in mind that ideally the non-register and the RSP continue to grow each year. So even though the RSP is still growing along with the non-registered account you now have, you're taking money out of the RSP and at the same time, the non-registered account is growing. So eventually you'll have a larger asset to access that isn't 100% taxable like the RSP. Since, as I mentioned, you're going to deregister a good chunk of that. What we're doing here is finding a way to have your assets grow in a non-registered manner. And this is one of the easier ways is to borrow to invest strategy, basically funded by your RSPs to pay the tax deductible interest of the loan on the non-registered account. Now, the benefits that I have somewhat already kind of touched on a little bit are, once again, you're lowering your tax from your RSP or RIF withdrawals. You're deregistering your RSP early in retirement, shifting some of this to a non-registered account. Why is this a benefit? Because after age 71, when you're required to take a minimum amount of your RSP, or now it's a RIF, the value will be lower and you will have more money in the non-registered account that has less tax when you withdraw the money. And it also gives you more flexibility. It gives you more flexibility because CRA is not forcing you to take a certain amount of your non-registered account each year like they are your RSP or RIF. So if you just leave the RSP and RIFs and they just keep growing every year and now at 71, you have the significant size RSP or RIF, well, that's a whole lot of tax that you're going to be paid because it's, the government's going to be forcing you to push that out. Another benefit is that for estate planning purposes, if some or most of your registered assets have been deregistered prior to death, the estate will simply pay less tax. Now that's more for someone single because if you have a spouse or common law partner, the registered assets just transfer over to them, avoiding the estate tax. But for a widow or single person, yeah, it also helps the estate planning purposes. Okay, downside. With many things, there's risk and there is risk here as well. The borrowing to invest part, you may have heard the term, it, what it's called when you borrow to invest or use someone else's money to invest, it's called leveraging because it's not your money. And it's important to know that using borrowed money to invest, it does involve greater risk than if you're just using your own money. The reason is if you borrow money to invest and the value of the investment goes down, you're still required to pay back that original amount on the loan. So your investments could be underwater, but you still have the loan amount, which is now more than the investments you own. So obviously there's risk in that. Regardless of the value of the asset, the loan, like I said, it still has to be repaid at some point. For this reason, especially when someone's in retirement um, or early stages of retirement, you want to avoid the high-risk investments because you're borrowing the money to invest for this strategy. It just makes sense to not go crazy risky with that, obviously. Ideally, you want the return on this non-registered investment to at least generate enough to equal the interest rate of the loan. And this strategy, it generally requires a longer term commitment, usually like a round of at least 10 years so that the likelihood of the investments appreciate enough to exceed the value of the loan plus the interest costs. So it's important to keep that in mind. It's not something necessarily that you're gonna just bang off in a couple of years because uh, of course it depends on markets. So basically an RSP meltdown, it, this can be a more of an advanced financial strategy because there is a lot of moving pieces and individual factors to consider. So like this strategy and other ones I've mentioned, it's always best to obviously talk with a financial professional just to make sure that, hey, it may sound great in a podcast, but does it fit for you? Well, that's where you're going to need some help trying to figure this out. So there you have it. Now you know what an RSP meltdown strategy is. Hopefully that I 
kind of summarize that in a simple enough way through podcast that you can kind of understand the concept. The purpose of this is just this whole podcast is to educate and hopefully I was able to do that today. So maybe you've heard of it, maybe not, but now you know. And if you want to discuss this or retirement plans, or if maybe to see if this RSP meltdown strategy is even right for you, just feel free to reach out and contact us. And how can they do that, Chris? Just through my website, threeatsfinancial.ca. All right. If you like the episode, follow Chris's podcast and please share with friends and colleagues. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.